Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruskin. I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel, which means we are very fortunate to have Rebecca Lynch back with us. Rebecca's with the Wisconsin Working Families. Rebecca, good to have you back. Good to be here, Matt. And Robert Craig is with us, as always, our Executive Director here at Citizen Action. Robert. Good day, everyone. So, folks, uh, I am actually uh, in Seattle, Washington this week. I've been here all week with our national network, uh, the Partnership for Working Families. It's been a great week here uh, so far in Seattle. Um, but we have lots to talk about. The excitement never ends in Wisconsin. And um, we got to start, folks, by talking about our old governor, Scott Walker. I, I, I know we should probably just let the, let the guy go away, but he will not go away. Um, actually, uh, as I was boarding my flight very early uh, Monday morning for Seattle, Washington, I walked up and noticed that uh, Scott Walker was on my flight, and I was very curious as to why Scott Walker was heading to Seattle, Washington. And then I opened up my phone and saw that Scott Walker that morning was being announced that he was taking over and helping lead a new group, a new shadowy conservative group that's going to look to go after, do a constitutional convention around uh, a balanced budget, and that... uh, this new group, one of its top target states, was Washington. So, uh, mystery solved. Uh, so, panel, uh, our, this, the governor won't go away. And, and, and not only this group, but we also heard he wants to run for governor maybe again. Rebecca, what, Walker just won't go away. <laughs> this is one of the more insidious uh, strategies of folks who are looking to drown government in the bathtub. And it's something that you know, has been proposed all over the country. I mean, even in blue states, you know, New York, this past election cycle, it was defeated, but it was a really big fight um, with a lot of um, labor in particular coming out against the Constitutional Convention. You know, ever having a Constitutional Convention is like a big conversation to have. And there's there's a lot of considerations that go into that. But specifically around budgets, you know, what I, you know, what Walker is saying in announcing this new role is that he wants to export the damage he did to Wisconsin to states around the country. And, you know, what we what we know about these kind of balanced budget, quote unquote, um, policies is that they actually eliminate a lot of flexibility um, from government being able to respond to recessions and depressions and up the ups and downs of our economy. And they um, really can provide a lot of harm to people um, when you have these kind of mandatory cyclical um, changes in the budget. So I, it's it's um, not surprising that the right wing has found a use for this person who they've been, you know, putting forward as the face and the voice to so many of their policies here in Wisconsin and even nationally, um, be, you know, for him in his next phase of his career. But it's really dangerous. And I think, you know, it, it is very telling about what the strategy of the right is going to be, you know, over the next several years. And we should really sit up and take notice and pay attention to, to this new role. I know, Robert, what do you think? So this says a lot about Scott Walker and it says a lot about uh, what the right wing conspiracy is. And that's why all the advocates of nonpartisanship for its own sake or bipartisanship need to get woke a little bit about what's going on. Uh, The right-wing strategy is to change the structure of our government, 
so that democracy can't function, so that even if a vast majority of people want to do something, they won't be able to do it, right? It's literally trying to change the balance of power between wealthy people and large corporations and the people. They don't like the possibility of the people doing something like a New Deal or a Great Society or a Green New Deal or Medicare for All. And Walker showed that in Wisconsin. So he's a true radical leader. We should not underrate this. He changed the rules fundamentally, say, on, on unions to change the balance of power and has locked them in, right? And the lame duck session was about trying to further lock in structures and prevent uh, an actual Democratic election in 2018 and Tony Evers' election affecting policy, right? It's the same thing. So there's that, and there's Walker, and there's the right. Now, Rebecca's totally right about the threat of a balanced budget amendment on its own terms, because it's literally like saying, imagine this applying to your family. Imagine saying, you cannot go into debt to go to college, to buy a house, to buy a car. I mean, that's what this says, right? Now, they want to say, oh, this is about overspending, like taking your credit card out and buying every consumer good and going lavish vacations you can't afford. Well, they do that, like the Trump tax cuts, which is what they are. But you need, you need to not do those, but to, to not go into debt at all is not to be able to make any major investments. I mean, the United States went into massive debt to win World War II. Do these people really want us not to have won World War II? Now, they certainly want us not to do Medicare for all, even if it saves us money overall, because you would need to spend a lot of money to do it, or a Green New Deal or anything else. So that's what this is about. But it gets even worse, as bad as that is, Matt and Rebecca. A lot of constitutional scholars, and the ones that we should probably be listening to, think you can't limit a constitutional convention. So they can go and create something like the Chilean constitution, which right-wingers in the U.S. created, that literally prevent Chile from having a functioning democracy. And the, the reason for that is this, and this goes back to the 18th century and all of the political science and philosophy that led to the Constitution in the first place and the, and the first Constitutional Convention, first and only, thankfully, so far in 1787, and that is, is that there's an idea that you create a Constitution that's a form of higher law and that a Constitutional Convention isn't constrained by any of the existing rules. So it's doubtful that the state legislatures who do this, you need 34 states, and we're up to about 27, is that right, Rebecca, right now, that have already signed on to this? I mean, we're, we're actually only about six or seven states away, uh, but roughly. Uh, but then you can't constrain it. You couldn't say it's just for a balanced budget amendment. It's 27. Yeah, we are... Um no, uh, in 2017, Walker supported a successful push for Wisconsin to become the 28th state. Okay, so we're six away. It hasn't happened before in our history, but it's in the Constitution. But once you trigger such a thing, all bets are off because you've created something that has more power than the federal government or any state government or Supreme Court or anything else. In fact, they're rewriting the Constitution, so forget the whole history of Supreme Court precedent. And you want to talk about who the radicals are? There is nothing in the Green New Deal or Medicare for All, or any kind of big, allegedly extreme progressive idea that people are complaining about in this presidential election that is remotely as radical as that. Yeah, and I think, Matt, I want to get your take in a second on some of this stuff. I'll just say quickly, to your point, Robert, um, you know, what our current president did uh, in regards to uh, getting funding for his wall and the executive order and Congress, you know, voting it down, and now he's going to veto it, I mean, What's more radical than that? And this and this is certainly in that same vein. Um, on the point that Matt made at the end, when he kind of like, you know, tipped off this conversation, 
where Walker kind of um, foreshadowed that he might run for Senate or he might run again for governor. You know, part of what I read into that is that the Republicans really don't have a bench in Wisconsin. And I, I should be like clear that like they don't need much of a bench. You get a billionaire, they run. And they, Have you told Robin Voss? I, I mean, re, you look at what they're going through right now. We're going to talk later in the show about the state Supreme Court race, but it's pretty shocking. So I can think of a number of incredible Democrats who could run for U.S. Senate in 2022. And the Republicans are probably searching around for someone else. But uh, Matt, I don't know. Did you have any any thoughts on, you know, Walker's new gig or his future run? I think well, look, I, I think, Robert, I, I follow up on his point about this all being about power. Um, and I think we will ha- we'll, we'll talk more later in the show about uh, the Electoral College and, and, and just how we structure who who uh, governs in this country. Um, but the other the other news with Walker this week is he's going to also be uh, on a group around redistricting and he is um, trying to sort of get the right wing uh, all ex- uh, all up about the notion that somehow they're falling behind in the effort to uh, fight for redistricting in 2020 after the 2020 census. Um, and we know that that is where the Republicans really sort of laid the seeds of how they built this majority uh, here in Wisconsin, but in a number of other states. And so uh, not only is he looking at this constitutional convention, potentially running for office, but uh, is starting to try to play a lead role in getting the the Republicans aligned on redistricting, which we all know is going to be an absolutely huge, huge fight. And, um, you know, Eric Holder and others are already out uh, trying to make sure Democrats are organized on this. So um, that has truly been one of Walker's great strengths is he understands power and um, has certainly uh, in this state uh, gone after uh, the organization and uh, power institutions of the left uh, when he was governor. So uh, that doesn't continue. It's partially why he was one of the more successful Republican uh, leaders, certainly in our lifetime, um, in terms of accomplishing uh, the agenda of the right. Who knows, Matt? Maybe his constitutional convention, right, can go back to the original Constitution, have the state legislature appoint the U.S. senator— which was the which was amended later, right in the in the early twentieth century, and then of course redistrict to keep the state legislature so they can make him a U.S. senator. And that is the yeah. final word for this segment, sorry, Matt. But we, you know, we're going to keep talking about this and and federal more national news in the next segment. So, uh, Matt, you want to wrap us up for this segment? You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. So we uh, need to talk about the Electoral College since we're having a conversation about power on the the first section. Uh, So uh, Elizabeth Warren gave a speech this week where she talked about the desire to get rid of the Electoral College, and it uh, got absolutely huge applause. And we know that this is a big issue for a lot of folks, certainly Uh, on the left, uh, progressive folks, because our electoral college is clearly rigged against, shall we say, the the population and the notion that uh, whoever has the most votes wins. It's it's not guaranteed. And we saw that in the last election with Donald Trump. Rebecca. 
Well, you know, we we generally have a system that gives power to land over people. And so this is certainly a huge part of that. Uh, And it's really exciting. I mean, we've had um, a conversation for years now about, you know, how uh, unjust and inefficient the Electoral College is. But to have a major presidential candidate say it in like, I think it was her first televised town hall, but really come out of the gate um, and tying it into this whole conversation that we're having around voting rights, you know, against voter suppression, um, uh, you know, for against, you know, like efforts that really diminish people's ability to vote and the right of their vote to be counted and putting it in that context, I think is really important and powerful. And, you know, would love to hear more about what Robert thinks, but just for folks who, who didn't get to watch the town hall yet, um, you know, or read any articles about it, she, uh, Senator Warren, you know, framed changing the way we vote for president and abolishing the process of using the electoral college around the fact that our current system prizes the votes of some people in certain places over others, and that that is therefore reflected in the campaigns of people running for president. So that means that folks who live in states that are either deep red or deep blue, both both sides of the aisle, don't get visited by candidates, don't get you know, their their issues talked about by like candidates. Like your native home, right? Like, yeah, like like New York. and But, I, you know, certainly I think she was in Jackson, Mississippi for this town hall and just yes. like there. And so, it re- I mean, you know, in Wisconsin, it's very nice. We just had, you know, Beto announce her president and then hopped on a plane and came out to Wisconsin. And we're seeing, you know, Amy Klobuchar was in Eau Claire. And all of these presidential candidates are paying special attention to us, which is good because we should not be ignored. But at the same time, you know, there's a real issue here where there are huge population centers of this country that are absolutely ignored in the presidential contest uh, and and issues that impact those folks. So, But then we're talking about huge structural changes here, so we want to hear a little bit about what you think, Robert. Well, right, and before anyone jumps from our you know listenership and says it's not in Wisconsin's interest and takes it in this kind of parochial way, potentially, uh, just ask if it was in Wisconsin's interest to elect Donald Trump or George W. Bush when they lost the popular vote. Uh, and so, I mean, that and that that is the thing. And you said it, they rep- that the Electoral College, and it's not a college, by the way, it's not an institution of higher learning. The founding fathers, it's never functioned the way they thought. They thought it would be this group of wise white men, and they meant white men at that point, uh, with property too, not all white men, uh, would be making decisions and making sure that the, the, the vote didn't get out of line. We didn't put any anyone in there who was some kind of rabid person who wasn't a real state refined statesman, right? That's what it was for. It never functioned that way. And it became something they did not necessarily mean at all, which was simply a, a collection of, of the, basically reintroducing the uh, inequality of the U.S. Senate into the presidential election, because the U.S. Senate is two senators per state. So Wyoming gets the same number of senators as California, which is also an absurdity, if you think about it, from a, from Democrat standpoints. And they didn't really, in the late 18th century, have a lot of faith in democracy because it never worked before. And so... This, this, again, goes back to the last segment. This is a contest between whether we believe in democracy, really, and majority rules or not, right? That is exactly what this is about. And so it's amazing that Elizabeth Warren kind of, in this last week, and this is a very early in the presidential race, and these news cycles are going to matter a lot less than they do later, but she kind of took away a little from Beto-mania, and I don't mean to atta- ta- attack Beto, um, he is a charismatic dude, and we'll talk about him in more detail in a future Battleground Wisconsin. Uh, but she turned it back to this issue. So she literally, this has been the talk, an issue. And that's been her strategy is to talk about issues 
And uh, I tend to be to, fa to favor trying to do that because then when you win, if you win, uh, you win on a mandate to do things. And so it's Look, interesting how much of a, Matt, I'm going to you now, but how much of a spark this actually has uh, ha has caused in, in, in the last week, coverage this week since the, I think it was a Monday night town hall at CNN hosted that Elizabeth Warren, where she said this. This is a no-brainer. This, this is, the Electoral College is, it's inconceivable <laughs> to pull from the Princess Bride that that anyone would invent this today or come up with something like this because the notion that you would not just have every vote count equally. And the reality is Robert, we can talk about the historical impacts of the electoral cow or the historically how it was created. But the fact is it basically holds in, you know, white power rural power, right? Areas of the land as opposed to where most people live in the cities. And and that's just patently unfair and quite frankly undemocratic. And and in this case, it, it has very racist implications, the notion that uh, most uh, communities of color live in areas where the electoral college disproportionately does not represent. And so it's got to go. And it's the only place where we have anything quite like this. And I don't think most Americans even understand the Electoral College. You almost have to go through a little bit of a history lesson every presidential just to remind yourself that we're not actually having a real election where the most votes wins. So this is brilliant by her to talk about it because we've talked about it before. And whenever it comes up, most people don't understand why we have it. And so it's largely indefensible. Um, and, you know, the, the only defense of it is this sort of bizarre notion that uh, this forces people to sort of talk to the center and find the, quote, center of America, which is garbage. Right. And so on cue, Trump, who has been very critical in the past Electoral College, having won because of it, now is against changing it because it will mean that we're not literally listening to rural areas. By the way, both you and Rebecca have used a line I used to like about representing the land in the Electoral College. It's too bad, unlike where Ohio actually wants to give uh, some Ohio progressives, give Lake Erie rights. The land has no rights. It's there to be exploited. So it's not protecting the land either. Uh, but be that as it may, uh, this really does get to the crux of the difference between conservatives who are about power and progressives who are about empowering people. Though I did hear a right-wing pundit on NPR this morning, I believe it was NPR, saying in essence this would cause some bizarre move to the left where the craziest radical nostrums that are popular in New York and Los Angeles would dominate our national politics. Rebecca, you're well, from but, New York? But or Robert, Matt, yeah. Robert that's, a, that's absurd. That's absurd that that would even be a problem because you know what, if that's where the people are, that's, that's democracy. The notion that somehow that needs to be constrained by some kind of you know, Farmers in Wyoming. Intelligentsia is absurd. <laughs> well, not even intelligentsia. The uh, yeah. the wheat farmers of Dakotas need to constrain <laughs> yeah. those people, those people of color in Los Angeles, New York. Let's call it what it is, right? Yeah. No. Yeah. Look again. This is just part of you know. We just need to break down these structures that, quite frankly, are just. I mean, I, I think race in this is 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 a central piece and. Uh, and it's probably legally ought to be the way that this thing could be struck down. It's just it clearly has uh, racist uh, uh, 
end results. I, I would argue that's it's in, that's part of its intent, but nonetheless, not original because uh, they weren't allowing black people to vote at all. In I any know. Election, I'm, sa I'm saying yes. now. I, I believe very clearly that there's no reason they the, the one of the reasons they don't want to they they don't want to get rid of this is is for that reason. And you're gonna when you hear that stuff about the center of America, all this stuff, it has huge racial implications so dog whistle uh, it's dog whistle yeah. uh, well yeah well and and this is one of the things that i really love about having such a, a such a large and varied uh democratic presidential primary field is that in order to distinguish yourself you're really gonna have to to make waves on like at least a couple issues. And, you know, I don't think that that's what Senator Warren is trying to do. She has been true to herself and her policies for her, the entirety of her career, um, including before she was an elected official. And, you know, I think these are things she believes and she's just being really honest about what she believes. But, you know, that is, that is the way in which you're going to have to distinguish yourself in this field because style alone, which is like what so much of past elections has been about is not going to be able to, differentiate you enough I think when we just have so many candidates that share similar identities and geographies and age ranges and all of those things I mean I do think we're gonna have a, a lot of really interesting conversations about issues I don't know if folks disagree but that's my take well I think that that's going to lead to a better result uh, because people are voting what because they want things that will affect their lives not just for a charismatic presence right um but obviously the package it comes in is going to matter so identity who the person is whether because most voters um don't have the time nor inclination to, to study every issue that comes for a president so they want to elect someone who they think will act the way they would like them to act right and that and so it, there there's a judgment about character and personality and who this person is in their core that occurs as well but the issues they take on certainly needs to be a huge factor in that and with that, we got to take a break. Again, you're listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. So we need to just uh, come back to the state here a little and uh, talk about our state budget. We've been talking a lot about it in previous podcasts as it relates in particular to Badger Care and, and other issues but this week, uh, news has come out about the Joint Finance Committee public hearings. We've mentioned that Joint, fi Joint Finance Committee is where the governor's budget goes first. And one of the first big pieces of that is their roadshow, where they go around the state. Well, in this case, it'll be four spots around the state. Uh, and it's the only opportunity for the public to give public testimony. So these are very important, and we're going to be spending a lot of time organizing members to get out for not only for Badger Care expansion, but for a number of issues that are critical in the budget. So the dates are, get your pen out, Friday, April 5th in Janesville, Thursday, April 11th in Milwaukee, Monday, April 15th in River Falls, and Wednesday, April 24th in Green Bay. So Rebecca, I'm sure... Well, uh, you're very excited to get up to River Falls for that uh, that Monday show. But th these are important. We want to get folks out for them. Uh, but just want to get the panel's thoughts on uh, this upcoming budget fight and, and these joint finance committee hearings. There are some pretty incredible activists up in River Falls. So I would like to take a trip up there. Maybe not for this hearing, but there's there's some pretty dope folks out there. So. There have been way worse joint finance committee uh 
places, Matt, over the years. <laughs> I remember Brilliant. Not that Brilliant's not a great place to visit, but I just don't know anyone in Brilliant. <laughs> this isn't. This is hardly a shot at River Falls. It's not a shot yeah. anywhere. This, in fact. I like River Falls. I'm just suggesting it's a little bit far from you. No, it's a little far I'm just from me. making the comment. In fact, if anything, this this lacks a spread up north. This uh, really does not get further north. I'm sure there'll be some critiques about that. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm excited for the budget, um, you know, the budget process to be underway. And I want to hear more about, from Robert about what he thinks. I mean, my just like quick take is that. You know, for those of us in Wisconsin who have had, you know, quote unquote, unified government for a while, um, this might seem a little unusual. Um, and certainly it requires a lot of attention and activism. But this is basically the budget dance and how it works in every state, in every city, um, particularly where you have divided government. You know, the executive, in this case, Governor Evers, puts forward his proposal. The legislature either agrees with that or more often than not, you know, has some disagreements. There are negotiations and hopefully if government works and things go well, they come to an agreement where both sides walk away a little bit unhappy and we have a budget on time that is functioning. Now that may not happen. You know, it's it's not clear what Robin Robin Voss is looking to do. But uh, you know, we kind of have this um Opening salvo, if you will, you know, from Governor Evers. This is what I ran on. This is what the people elected me to do. Here's my budget. And uh, Republicans have have said they have some issues with it. I don't know, Robert, if you have more of a, a strong take than that. Well, one take is that we kind of normalize things. Uh, other states don't quite do it this way. This is a bizarre Wisconsin tradition, the Joint Finance Committee uh, kind of circus public hearing out in the field where they take testimony all day. Uh, they don't listen, really. They sit there and pretend to listen. They're really going to do, particularly Republican majority, they're going to do what they're going to do, right? Except, except when an issue clearly has so much public energy that they make a different political calculation. But this is not about them sorting through the policy and the rationale and, oh, I didn't realize that that funding formula was unfortunate for Milwaukee. Oh, let us, let us tweak that. It's nothing like that, okay? So it's none of the Mr. Smith goes to Washington kind of view of how representative government should work, but brute force, that is showing that your issue has passion out there so that people won't just say yes in a poll but will come and testify and people and passionately, and people who are directly affected will testify, that can sway the legislature. Particularly on the smaller and mid-sized issues, they can make little tweaks. But as far as the bigger kind of geological divide here, like this is almost like, you know, uh, this is literally about earthquakes and about uh, fissures and divisions. Uh, they want to defeat Tony Evers. They hate that he has the governorship. They, they don't know how to say it, but they feel it's illegitimate in some way, like it was some quirk, right? not willing to recognize that it's because of what they and their party and their movement's done about health care that sparked this, right? Because heart health care is by far the top issue. And they certainly haven't learned the lesson because they've dug their heels in on Medicaid expansion. And Tony Evers' response was to tie the whole budget around Medicaid expansion. Uh, one of the governor's people joked on a call this week because this was supposed to be health care week for the governor on tour. And she cracked. She goes, well, you know, every week's health care week. Uh, and it's because... Uh, a huge percentage of, of the Evers budget uh, depends upon the additional revenue by taking the federal money to expand Badger Care. In addition, the, the, the issue of Badger Care expansion is the top reform he is proposing, the only big reform on the top issue in the last election, the top issue 
leading into 2020, the national level and in Wisconsin. And so there are a couple different theories on Voss. I have had the theory, we think the Senate can flip. We think Fitzgerald doesn't care as much, the Senate majority leader, and the margin is closer. But in the, in the assembly, either Voss thinks that the way to, be, to become governor and to be, because people think he has an inside track, I don't know if he does or not, on the Republican nomination for 2022, Walker's little announcement of running again might affect that, is to be against the Affordable Care Act in all its form, including Medicaid and Badger Care expansion. Uh, I would say if that's the case, he's misreading the situation that their whole strategy blew up in 2017 and 2018, and they don't have another playbook. And maybe the national Republicans and the experts will come back with a new playbook for Robin in time. But at this point, he's operating on an outdated playbook that they just got slaughtered 72 nothing on, okay? Use a football analogy. Yeah, no, I mean, they're also rejecting, you know, the Governor Evers came out with his proposed capital budget, which includes a yeah. huge amount of um, desperately needed funding to fix our roads, for the UW system, for all types of infrastructure investment. And it, it is, it's a large investment, which our state requires a large investment, and the Republicans are rejecting that. And, you know, all I could think of is like, well, they, they definitely can't let Governor Evers fix our roads because then he's going to be the most popular governor that we've had in a while. So, you know, I think it, it is it is all politics. But at the same time, you know, if folks are hearing from their constituents on both sides of the aisle that their health care premiums are, are up so high that they can't afford to, to have coverage or that they can't get to work because the roads are a mess or, we're, you know, as you know, we're going back to gravel roads in a lot of places. Um, I, I think there's going to be pressure no matter how strong the incentive is for them to be an obstacle to the new uh, governor's administration, they're still they still have a responsibility to their constituents. And there are two big revenue sources in this budget. There's the taking the the Medicaid money. The second one is capping the 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 tax giveaway to manufacturers, the manufacturer agriculture tax credit at three hundred thousand. So of course you're not a small business if you have a three hundred thousand dollar tax break above that, right? And so those are the only sources of revenue. They're adamantly against both of them. But I was getting to the second theory, Rebecca, of what Voss is doing, and I heard this in the Capitol uh, on Wednesday, and that is that Voss is simply using Medicaid expansion as a bargaining chip, and he intends to give it away. I think that that is too rosy an estimate of who Robin Voss and who the conservative movement is, but that would certainly be convenient, and the question would be, what else does he want in return? Uh, but either way... Healthcare is at the center of this uh, whole, this whole budget fight, and this is like the Trump resistance. The only way to break down the Assembly and the Senate is for people to turn out in droves and talk about this issue, and then to call, call, call their their senator, their state representative, etc. Remember that firestorm stopped them from repealing the Affordable Care Act, even when they had all the power, and prevented Trump Look, in his top priority. Rebecca, you brought up the capital budget project being rejected this is this is a bad sign that there's likely to be any robert you you suggested people thinking that there may be some negotiations or whatever this is a very very bad sign because this is highly unusual that this uh capital budget would have been rejected it was already through uh previous votes republicans had voted for for it so this is clearly a strategy of Voss that there is going to be no peace and that every little bit of land is going to be contested for, to go back to our previous analogy, political turf will be contested. 
very, very tightly. So, and, and this shows it. This is wildly popular. In fact, hopefully, uh, this uh, the Democrats will have some success uh, getting this uh, this rejection very public because this looks bad. It is bad. And it uh, it just bespeaks what we're about to go through. Um, it's making me begin to think that Voss's strategy could clearly be to just gum this budget up, you know, for yeah. as long as possible and and be happy to continue with the current Walker budget. Um, not a good sign. Yeah. At all. And one other tidbit from the Capitol for Rebecca, for you and Matt, is uh, someone who was in the meeting told me that uh Alberta Darling came into a meeting with the Evers administration and said, Medicaid expansion is off the table. And of course they said, yeah. uh, then you have no budget if it's off the table, basically. Well, but <laughs> that's just it, right? Like you can't, you can't start there. You can't start there and think there's going to be compromise. It's like Evers has clearly declared this is the most important thing. It's the one thing that he, he wants very badly and so the notion to walk in and say it's off the table, it's basically like saying there will be no negotiations. There is nothing to talk about because without any other revenue source, all we're doing is rearranging chairs on the on the Titanic, right? Or how whatever your favorite uh, way of discussing this is. But the point being, uh, this this is not a good sign. It tells me that they may be very happy just to find ways to gum this up, try to make it seem like both sides just are messing with it, but that they want to just essentially have Walker, the Walker budget of the last two years uh, continue over the next cycle and refight this in the 2020 elections. But we'll have to see. We need to take a break. Uh, you are listening to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to The Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. So we need to talk a little bit about Mother Earth, climate, science, dare we talk science. Uh, some big news uh, this week was that um, the Kohler Golf Course, uh, it, there was a, we, and we talked about this, uh, I want to say a year ago, uh, that the Kohler Golf Course has been trying to get, uh, it was approved by the DNR, the Walker DNR, to fill in a wetland. And this week, um, judge ruled and overturned that and basically said that uh, their, the science was poor, that they really hadn't uh, done the kind of uh, research that they needed to. And uh, the, uh, the project has been, has been stopped for now. Uh, this is huge news. It's very big news. We talked in, in the past about Walker's DNR really not doing much. But uh, big news, especially broader, having a conversation about our climate. And so, Robert, I'm going to kick it to you because uh, I know we have more, not only talk about the Kohler, but about students organizing around the state over the last week uh, for, for, for climate justice. Well, the Kohler thing is just that there is still some rule of law. They haven't shredded all the environmental laws yet, and there's still judges that will enforce some of the environmental laws. So that's refreshing. But even more refreshing is what all the students did across the world over 105 countries by last count, 
Well over a million students walked out on Friday and some on Monday who didn't have school Friday uh, to protest the lack of action by adult leaders on climate. Nothing to the scale of the problem, including in the countries that are way ahead of the United States. Sweden is way ahead of us, but they're not doing anything to the scale of the problem. It started with one uh, Swedish teenager standing up. Uh, uh, and uh, and she sparked this worldwide movement, but there was clearly plenty of energy for it. And we had some of it in Wisconsin and Madison. Students, uh, with the help of the school district, marched on the Capitol on Friday last Friday uh, as part of the strike. In Milwaukee, where Milwaukee public schools were closed on Mon- on Friday, so it was on Monday this this cur- this past Monday. Uh, students at the Milwaukee School of Languages, which would be tied more into you know what's happening in Europe and like, walked out. What was interesting is the MPS administration did not approve it, and the principal attempted to block it. And one of the greatest things about um, listening to when young people are getting involved, like the Parkland students did around gun violence, right, is how much better they sound than the adult leaders who don't think anything's possible. So they they ask a student. Uh, Brianna Ruiz, uh, what about the fact, what, why did they do this when they didn't have permission? She said, well, there was an announcement this morning, this is on the loudspeaker in the school, that the district hadn't approved the walkout, so there might be some kind of reprimand to, uh, to, for us to do it. But we, 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 but we thought about it, uh, we thought about it, but most movements, well, all movements like civil rights movement, they never ask permission. So why is this any different? So you know how much better that is than what you hear from, from most people, you know, that's from a, from a high school student, right, that the civil rights movement, if it asked permission, there'd be no civil rights movement, right? The other thing I'll just say about this, and I'm quoting uh, the story from Milwaukee Public Radio, WWM Radio, is, is that my nephew, Elijah, was, was one of the prime ringleaders and instigators of this. In fact, it came about in conversations I was having with him when I was house-sitting and taking care of my three nephews uh, for two weeks when my uh, brother Ted and my uh, sister-in-law Stephanie were on a well-deserved vacation. But Elijah went and did it. And what was interesting is, even though the administration was having constant loudspeaker announcements, do not leave, right? Over 100 kids just walked out anyway. And I noticed afterwards the administration said they'd only punish the organizers, which is also very interesting. (laughs) Wow, that's pretty (laughs) unbelievable. Yeah. Um, No, it was so moving and inspiring. And, you know, I remember seeing um, video of thousands and thousands and thousands of students who walked out in Dublin. And to your point, Robert, about how these students just sound so much more uh, measured and together and rational and inspiring than our elected leaders. I mean, they you went from, you know, I saw a video from RTE News that had them saying everything from, you know, we want them to listen to us and follow the standards of the, the Paris Paris Agreement and like try to hit them and, you know, follow the standards set in place by the EU. And then the next student would say, you know, they are not listening to us because they think we're students and that are, you know, what we say doesn't matter, but it's our planet too. And this is just the beginning of our organizing. Uh, and so it was really inspiring. Um, and at the same time, I still feel this like incredible dread because we are just so not where we need to be. And even just this last week, in you know my home city of New York, the latest news is that they're moving forward on these huge proposals to build giant concrete barriers to protect the island of Manhattan. I mean, this is like apocalyptic movie type 
scenarios that are not like 100 years from now, but just within the next decade, that we're going to have to be so dramatically changing the infrastructure of this country to just try to stem the tide, like no pun intended, but like stem the tide of, of the impacts of climate change just a little bit, that it's it's truly frightening. So I'm heartened right. by this, but... We have a long, long way and to I go. And I can't resist quoting my nephew, Elijah Craig, again <laughs> from the Milwaukee Public Radio story. <laughs> so it says, Senior Elijah Craig is the lead organizer and is ecstatic. Quote, I think that it is important that youth have a voice in their own future and we don't sit around and watch as we, as we are robbed of our lives. Um, and, I well, think, and I think that it's really important for us to start standing up for ourselves. That, that way we'll have a stronger generation because we are the future. Look, this this is uh, they're the truth tellers, right? In this, and we 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 talked earlier in the show about the electoral college. This is it's like the frog in the boiling pot of water, and us adults were boiled in some ways. It's just the idea that we can't just pull out and be like, oh my god, this is unbelievable. In the same way, the electoral college is unbelievably undemocratic. Uh, and needs to change the notion that we as adults and just sort of uh, the generation that has continued to produce and do nothing about climate change. Um, it's absurd to anyone. They're going to look back and uh, at some point and be like, I cannot believe that people didn't do more about this. So it is the youth who are, who are leading again, like on gun violence, who are basically calling out all of us for our inaction and our inability to get beyond our petty fights to actually save ourselves. I mean, this is one of those things that you would think uh, would drive people uh, from all sides to solve, but no, it's actually driven us to actually walk away from science, which is insane. Um, so this, uh, you know, shout out to those kids, obviously, for continuing to help lead the way. Um, but it is, they're basically, it's a call to all of us to get much more serious about it. And this gets back to the uh, presidential election and um, I want to tip off to our listeners that Robert and Rebecca will be recording a, a show for next week about uh, starting to talk about the presidential uh, election. But this is a really, really fundamentally important issue that needs to be central in the presidential debate um, around climate, around global warming, all of this, just because if it doesn't, like, it's just... I don't know and, what we're doing and it, um, and it has and until we tackle this and think about it the way the Green New Deal does holistically about how we're creating opportunity it, it, while we're trying to save the world. Um, we're just making fundamental mistakes that uh, the next generation is going to look back and there will be a lot of uh, a condemnation for uh, for what we have all failed to do. So and. By the way, the kids who walked out are thinking about going to college. I know my nephew, Elijah Craig, mentioned earlier, is leaning, hard lean to UW-Eau Claire, but we'll see. But will they be able to afford college, right? Isn't that a big issue, Rebecca? That is a big issue. And so I know this um, this past week, Senator Tommy Baldwin uh, introduced legislation to help take on student debt. Um, with re that allows students to refinance at a lower interest rate. And, you know, we didn't talk about this before the show, but I saw last week um, when I was home with my family that President Trump is getting rid of um, the yes. yeah, uh, loan forgiveness for public service work. And he's going to gut any, all the subsidies that make loans as cheap as they are right now. So he's going to make them far more expensive and thinks kids can just handle it on their own. we got to stop handing out this money. 
Yeah, my younger sister is, um, you know, currently uh, working out of the Philly Defenders and is someone who's committed her life to public service. And I, I mean, it's just like shocking. It would not affect her to affect future future students, but it's really shocking. Well, you know, just want to mention, I know we have about a minute and a half left uh, to this, this segment and to the show. But we are um, a little less than two weeks from our April elections, and I'm sure we'll talk about this more, um, you know, before the election. But the state Supreme Court race is ongoing. I know a lot of listeners, a lot of Citizen Action members have been doing quite a bit to help elect uh, Judge Lisa Neubauer to our state's highest court. There was a televised debate that happened recently Um you know, I'm sure many of us have seen the the ads that are up, but the ad wars are are well underway. And just wanted to give, um, you know, for in the next, you know, half a minute or so, Robert, did you have anything you want to say before we turn it over to Matt? It's not a hard choice, but it's hard to win these darn judicial races, but they matter a lot. But Matt, I'm sure, has more to say in the last 30 seconds. Well, look, I just want to encourage everyone to take action in this. Um, we have... Uh, phone banks up that you can do from your home. We'll have a link to it on our webpage, but um, really, really important that we contact folks. Um, and if you use our phone bank, you will be talking to really, really important voters who, who, who need to be communicated with. So please um, get active, get out. Um, also want to encourage our members up in the Green Bay area to get out and support Eric Genrick, uh, Genrick and his uh, uh, mayoral bid. I know an uh, make sure you're getting out and volunteering and helping folks over the next couple of weeks. But um, we're going to have to unfortunately wrap up this show. Um, I, again, uh, want to thank uh, Brian Wildridge, our producer, who makes the uh, makes the show happen every single week. Before we close, just breaking as we tape Battleground Wisconsin, uh, a judge in Madison has uh, put an injunction in place against the lame duck session laws. And beyond that, we'll see if that gets appealed. And it will be appealed, but we'll see if it gets overruled by the state Supreme Court or not. But in the meantime, it looks like Attorney General Josh Call is pulling Wisconsin out of the Texas lawsuit that would obliterate the entire Affordable Care Act and take health away from 30 million people. We have no idea at taping uh, whether uh, whether this would ch be changed or was supposed to be forced back into the case if the state Supreme Court rules otherwise. But there'll be more on that in coming weeks. But huge news we didn't have time to talk about. But until next time, thank you for joining us at Battleground, Wisconsin. And uh, we look forward to next week. You, you'll have a great uh, discussion on the presidential race. We'll start diving in and taking a look at the candidates. So with that, we got to wrap up the Battleground Wisconsin. We'll see y'all next week. The Battleground Wisconsin.